Feel free to have a seat, you guys. My name is Marcus. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. God bless you guys. Welcome. I hope you're having a great day, a great Sunday. Our, our fearless leader, Pastor Tim Spivey, is taking a break today, uh, breathing, relaxing, recharging his batteries as we head into the, the Easter season. we got exciting things happening here. Hey, if I haven't met you yet, I, I'd love to meet you sometime um, there in the hallway. Say hello. Thank you so much for coming. We appreciate it. For those of you guys in lawn, uh, online as well on the rooftop, thank you for joining us. Steve, we know that you're at home watching us as well. We thank you so much. But, um, hey, San Diego in the springtime, it doesn't get much better than that. Can I hear amen? amen? Like the whole world's trying to get here right now, right? San Diego springtime, it's, a, it's, it's sunnier right now. It, it's, it stays sunny later. If you look at the, the mountains, you can see snow-capped mountains. You can go to the beach. It's, it's just beautiful, man. We're so, so blessed to live here. We got spring break coming up. You guys excited about spring break? Kind of? It sounds like you guys like me. Maybe you're not too excited because you're spring broke. Who's spring broke here? All right, all right, great. So that, that, that hurts my spring break plans, being spring broke. But, you know, we're here in San Diego, so that's exciting. Something else exciting going on right now, too, a March Madness. Any March Madness fans out there? All right, and how's your brackets looking? How's your brackets looking? All right, all right, good. Hey, listen, we know the Lord loves NVC, right? If you've been here, he's been doing some amazing things through worship, through ministry, through lives, being committed to the Lord, through baptisms. But another way that we know God loves NVC is because our, our music director, Adam, and a lot of members of this church went to uh, Oral Roberts University and Abilene Christian University, and they won. So that means God is really loves us a lot. I don't know if Liberty's fully repented because they didn't win, but pray for them. I don't know how your brackets are looking, but, but uh, mine's busted. I went to San Diego State. I'm a San Diego State fan, and so that's, that's not looking too well. Um, but something else is going on right now in my life. I can't tell you that it's super exciting, but it's different, and it's happening. Uh, my wife has decided uh, to make appointment for me to go to an orthodontist. Yes. And so I went, and so I went there, and i like, I don't really want to go, first of all. And I told them, look, let me tell you right now, I don't want to be here. My wife made me come. I'm one of those guys. Any, any, any husbands out there, your wife made you go right to the dentist and Costco? Actually, I like Costco. Actually, I stopped liking Costco once the free samples left. Right? You know, I don't even want to go anymore. Once the free samples, then you got me again, guys. So I, I went to the orthodontist, and, and then they, 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 I had my consultation. And they identified that my teeth were crooked. I'm like, I didn't need a consultation for that. I knew that a long time ago, doctor. Right? And they also identified some things. They identified that, um, uh, that, that I had strong teeth because I don't get a lot of cavities. I knew that. They also identified, well, you have strong teeth, but you also have deep pockets. Oh, wow, I have deep pockets. Well, I better have deep pockets if you want me to pay for all this stuff you're doing to me, right? It's not cheap. I have four kids that have gone braces. They're driving, I tell them, you're driving around my BMW in your mouth. Be careful. <laughs> I have a minivan and you got BMWs in your mouths. It's not fair, Kayla. It's not fair. So I go there and um, 
they start talking about all the problems I have in my mouth. I'm like, listen, I know my mouth's not perfect. I'm a simple guy. I don't want to be here. I don't need straight teeth, right? Like, those days are gone. Like, I already have my chick. I've been married for 21 years, right? I'm a simple guy. I just need beans and rice and Jesus Christ, right? I don't need much more than that. And I got plenty of beans and rice and plenty of Jesus Christ, right? So, I, I don't, you know, just, and then they start going through, like, other problems, well, do you know you could get periodontal disease? I'm like, no, I don't even know what that means. I don't want periodontal. Who wants periodontal disease? And do you know you could get heart disease? What? Heart disease? Right? And then you know that all these, all these bacteria because you can't get to your teeth because they're not straight. And then you could die younger. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to die. I'm going to die now? Brother just wants some straight teeth for his wife, man. I don't, want, I don't want this. And they talk about all the problems. And then you know what they do? It was smart. They start taking pictures of my mouth all up in there, like their teeth and stretching it. This is, and they're right, and then cameras and x-rays, and then they show you it. And then they show you how jacked up my teeth are. I'm like, man, who's this cat? That's you. I'm like, man, this is a bad news. And then they talk about the solution. Well, here's the solution. Right, you can go braces, or you can go Invisalign. I'm like, braces? No, thank you. I'm 48 years old. I'm a 48 years old Latino. I don't need, I'm already having enough stuff going against me. I don't need to look goofy with braces. Right? And then uh, they have Invisalign, and this, and that. And so that's the solution, and how much it costs. And then, oh, but you know what? You've got some sort of crossbite. What? And then your jaw, and they start telling me stuff I never knew about myself. And then your jaw, because of genetics and the crossbite, and look at your ugly teeth. And, and then we, we're going to need to break your jaw for surgery. I'm going to break your jaw, you keep talking like that. <laughs> right? And so it's like this whole crazy process to get my teeth taken care of. But she starts to go over the cost, but they also went over the benefits. Right? Well, look, look, if your teeth are straight, not only aesthetically does it look better, but you know what? For the longevity of your teeth, right? And they'll stay, he stay healthier. And if they fall out, then you got to replace them. And then lack of disease. So I'm like all confused. I'm like, I just want to go home. Where's my wife? I just, right? And so I had to consider the cost. I'm considering the cost and the benefits of really doing this. You know, we've been in a series that Pastor Tim has led us in that's been fantastic. This series called Storyline. And it's been talking about uh, uh, people in the Bible, these characters in the Bible, that God has woven their story, his story through them. And now we've come to kind of the climax of all these great characters in the Bible, which is the main guy, Jesus. Right? And so we talk about who's the greatest of all time, right? There's that argument. Of course, I'm wearing the gear of the greatest of all time, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Jordan. Thank you. For all y'all that don't know, I was going to try to buy some LeBron stuff, but it's not out there because it's just not really that good. <laughs> Scotty, sorry, Scotty. And so as we're now in this series of really dealing with the greatest of all time, Jesus Christ, right? The number one, the greatest of all time, right? And today we're going to be talking about following Christ. We're going to talk about faithful followers. 
faithful followers. And, and, and what are the costs? You know, there's cost that comes with following Christ. And today we're going to talk about what happens when you follow Christ. What are, are you to expect? What was I to expect if I want to go through that process of, of really getting things taken care of in my mouth that need to get taken care of? There's a process, and, and I need to understand what that's like. I just don't go to sleep and wake up with straight teeth. There's a process. And if we follow Christ, we just don't make one decision and then hip, hip, hooray, everything's perfect, right? There is a process of us following Christ, and today we're going to take a look at that. And we're going to be in John chapter 7 today, guys. So if you have your Bibles, open up your Bibles, your Bible app, or if you want to you look it up online, John chapter 7. We're going to be in John chapter 7. But before we get there, I want to set the scene for us. Here's the scene. Jesus here in chapter 6, has just done these series of miracles, the kind that you read about, right, the kind that you, that you know about in children's ministry growing up, the kind that you see about on TV, the kind of miracles that everybody's aware that Jesus did. Like he walked on water in John chapter 6. He, he calmed the storms in John chapter 6. And the world was seeing this, this Christ or this person at this time, and they were confused on who he was. Some were saying that he was a prophet. Some were saying he was a good man. Some were saying that he's demon-possessed and now he got, that's how he got his power. And some were saying he might be Christ the Messiah. But there's all this confusion. And then later on in that chapter, one of the, the, the biggest miracles we recall, right, he fed 5,000 people. Now, it's way beyond that because the Bible was only, only counting men. So perhaps it was 10,000, 15,000 people with food left over. And you've got all these people who are following him because who doesn't want to serve a guy? Who doesn't want to follow a guy that can walk on water? Who doesn't want to follow a guy, right, that can take some loaves, right, some baskets of loaves and fishes and, and every 15,000 people and then him just pray and then just miracles happen and, and it feeds everybody. Who doesn't want to follow that guy? So he started getting this, all this attention, Right. So, so as he's walking around, people are listening to him, and, they, and they're seeing him do these miracles, and there's all this, 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 this excitement around him. But then in the later part of chapter 6, he starts talking to them kind of about the cost that it was going to take. I don't, what's going to happen if you follow me? And you know what? That big, big crowd of people that were excited Yay, Jesus walks on water. Yay, Jesus, the miracle man. Yay, Jesus, the guy that does miracles. He starts talking about the tough times that may come, and guess what happens to the crowd? And he's kind of left with like 12 guys. So that's where this story picks up right now in John chapter 7. And it says this. Let's read John chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Read along with me. It says, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. After this, what? After chapter 6. He did not want to go into Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, leave Galilee and go to the Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. Listen to this line. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. John chapter 7, 1 through 5. So Jesus did these miracles, amazing miracles. Then he starts telling people about the cost that's going to happen. And the latter part of John chapter 6 
Not only were the people who were following him starting to disperse, but guess what? They plotted to kill him. Oh, my gosh. And it was so bad. Not only were they trying to kill him, guys, but they also, his own brothers and sisters, his own brothers, guess what? Didn't believe in him. So first point today, of, I'm going to talk about three things to expect when following Jesus. We're going to talk about three things to expect when following Jesus. The first thing to expect when following Jesus is expect persecution. Everybody say persecution. Everybody say persecution. Listen, this is not like a feel-good topic. Can I hear amen? Right? Because we, who doesn't want to be blessed, right? Like if I said, all right, through Jesus comes blessing. Who wants that? Check, yeah, kill me in, Pastor. All right, who wants eternity? Who wants eternity? Check, yeah, kill me in, yes. Right? Who wants in heaven? Who wants heaven? Me. Right? Who wants a glorified body when you get to heaven? Right? I do. I have seven knee surgeries, right? Every step hurts. Me. Who wants the fruits of the Spirit? Me. Yeah. Who wants persecution? Not me. But yet, if we are to follow Christ, follow me right now. I'm following Christ. And Christ, as he walks, is entering through persecution. And I, as a follower of Christ, am right behind him. And if he enters persecution, that means I'm going to enter persecution. This is not a fun topic. This is not a feel-good topic, but it's the truth. Let's take a look at this verse right here. And John 15, these verses 18 through 20. John 15, 18 through 20, 20 says this. If the world hates you, these are the words of Jesus Christ, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, as a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teachings, they will obey your teachings also. Jesus was saying, look, I am Jesus. I am the son of God. I am the master. And if me as the master, me as the most important of this story, the biggest protagonist of all time, the main character, if you are lesser than I am, and me, I have to be persecuted, well, guess what? You're going to go through it too because a servant is not greater than his master. And if today you consider yourself a servant of God and you consider yourself a follower of a Christ, you have to understand persecution is part of it. Persecution is part of it. You know, we're sitting here in and, and, and these chairs. Uh, I, I would think you're comfortable in these chairs. Can I hear amen? I mean, look at the screen. It's beautiful. The worship that just experience. Was, was that wonderful? Beautiful? I mean, we're so blessed. I mean, listen to the speaker that you get to hear right now. Right? It's as easy for us in good times to follow Christ. Right? Your friends are together. All your friends are growing in Christ together. Right? The church is growing. Right? Your family gets to come. Oh, that's wonderful. And it is wonderful. And I love it. But guess what? What if it wasn't like this? What if there was a real cost you had to pay to follow Christ? 
What if, what if choosing to follow the Lord meant unchoosing your friends? And for some of you guys, you have. What if choosing the Lord meant for you guys unchoosing your livelihood, making difficult things in your life? Well, guess what? Sometimes we're going to be put in that spot. Can I hear amen? But know that it's worth it. Know that whatever persecution comes your way, know that whatever difficult times come your way, whatever difficult times in your relationship, in your job, and in, in financially, right, whatever happens, I got to tie my shoe here, I might fall off the stage. God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. That would have been super embarrassing. <laughs> persecution, my shoelaces would have been persecuting me. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. I was going to figure it out eventually. I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you. So whatever hard times come, guys, it's still worth it. It's still worth it. You know, I believe Christians should be like tea. This is why. You get a tea bag, and it's nice, and it's fine, but you really don't know the beauty of that tea and the taste of that tea until you get some boiling water. And, and, and that water is hot, right? And, and you put that tea bag in the water, and that tea's stuck there in that boiling water. And after a couple minutes, it starts to release its flavors. It starts to release its character. It starts to release its taste. And my hope is that in my life, when I'm through that boiling water, when I'm through those difficult times, when I'm in through some persecution and some hard stuff, that what's left when you remove that tea bag is a nice taste, a taste that's appealing, a taste that people would want, not something bitter, not something ugly, not something bad. You know what? As Christians, we're going to be put in hot water. My question to you is what, 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 is, what do you taste like after that hot water? What's left? What do you leave behind? But we're also going to be put through persecution. And my question also is, well, what are, how are we going to respond, guys? Because it's pretty easy to follow Christ right now. But there may come a time when it's not. There may come a time where this needs to happen in secret. There may come a time when there's a real risks at your work in relationships and in this nation perhaps to openly, freely worship the Lord. At that point, if we didn't have the beautiful screen. And the soft chairs and the nice community, would we choose to worship the Lord? Well, I hope the answer is yes. But as we're pondering that, we don't need to stay there because it's not all difficult times with the Lord. Can I hear amen? Right? Persecution is part of it, but also there's beautiful things that make the persecution and difficult times worth it. Let's take a look here at John chapter uh, I mean, same, same John chapter 7. We are going to go to verse 15. It says this. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did a man get such learning without having been taught? So, so, so Jesus in John chapter 7 Is going through this persecution, and then the, the festival of feasts happened, and it happens in October, and it was a, a chance for the God's people, for, for the Jewish people, for the Hebrew people, to go and to have the celebration of remembering God's provision for them when they were through the desert. So during that time, Christ went and he started to teach. 
And as he went to teach, he was among some great, great scholars. And at this point, people didn't think much of Christ. Are you guys following me? Because, because they were even wondering if he was Christ. Think about this. Not too long ago, they wanted to kill him. And his own family didn't believe in him. And on top of that, his name was Jesus, right? Which was Yeshua, which is Joshua. So it was like a common name, like a guy named John. And guess what? He was from Nazareth, right? So he was from this, this, this place, right, that had really low value. They're like, Who, what, can, what good can come from that place? It's like, like some guy from National City. Just like, wait, that cat is coming in here changing the world? Pedro from National City? <laughs> right? And so this guy, whose dad's a carpenter, right, who doesn't even have a house, and it doesn't, it doesn't have a livelihood, who's poor, comes and he starts teaching. Oh. But people were amazed. Why? Because he had something they didn't have. He had power. And here's my next point today of what to expect. We can expect power. Everybody say power. power. Everybody say power. power. All right, this is getting better because persecution, power, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and God, through the Holy Spirit and through his relationship and through his word, there is power in the word. There is power in the worship. Can I hear amen? Right, you can feel his presence. You can feel change start to fall, and there's power, and there's power as he changes your life, and 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 and, and, and things begin to be different in your life. And I've seen miracles. I've seen God miraculously heal my family. I've seen God miraculously heal relationships. I've seen God do things that only He can do with great power. But you know what? There's other kind of power too, guys. Because a lot of times we can get caught up in that, that, that kind of that power that looks good on paper. But he can also give us this kind of power. Power to withstand the persecution. Can I hear amen? Power also to live holy. Ooh. Power to forgive. Wow. Power to overcome. Power to love. See, we can get all this power that looks great on paper, and that, that's good, guys. And I want all of it, trust me, right? I want the supernatural power. I want that strength. I want to I pray and see miracles and life change. I want all of that. But you know what's bigger and better and stronger than all that? It's the power to love. Because that's really what changes lives. Because think about it. Jesus was walking on water, man. That's pretty powerful. Did that change your lives? No. Well, Jesus fed 5,000 men, 15,000 people. Did that change your lives? No, they were just hungry and then they ate. Jesus would heal lepers and, 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 and heal the blind. And many times they'd go away and not even thank him. So God could do the most amazing miracles in your life, and I hope he does, financially, physically, relationship-wise. Can I hear amen? But you know what? That's not more powerful than love. And here's the beautiful thing, you know. We, we, we know a chapter, two chapters I want to talk about the Bible, which are, which are really, really cool. There's, there's chapter uh, uh, 12 in 1 Corinthians and then chapter 13. And in chapter 12 is a chapter that talks about all these amazing things 
that the church needs, right? Uh, the gift of prophecy, the, the gift of healing, right? The gift of administration, right? The gift of all these amazing gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you guys with me? And they're all stuff, man. Who doesn't want it? They're like, it's like the highlight reel of Christianity. And then 13 is a chapter, if you're ever into a wedding, it's a love chapter, right? Love is patient, love is kind, you know, all that, right? Love does not boast, love doesn't envy. That's chapter 13. So you have these two chapters juxtaposed to each other. But there's a little conjunction that we often, often overlook. You have this chapter 12 of talking about all the power and all the things of the Holy Spirit needed for the church. Then you have this chapter of love. And at the end of chapter 12, there's a little conjunction verse that I love, guys. And it says this. That's what, after it talks about all these amazing things and gifts and power. And it says this. But there's a better way. It's a better way than what? Better way than prophecy? Yeah. There's, there's something better than miracles? Yeah. There's, there's something better than, than preaching? Yeah. There's something better than supernatural teaching? Yeah. There's a better way, and that better way is love. And that's what ties chapter 12 to the love chapter. Here's the beautiful thing. At the end of chapter 12, Paul goes to ask some rhetorical questions. Do all of us have the power of prophecy? No. Do all of us have the power of healing? No. Do all of us have the power of preaching? No. But there's something better. And guess what? The way of love is a choice. So you can choose today to have that strongest power to change lives, which is to love God and love one another. And here also, guys, love yourself. It's a tough one sometimes. Because, see, we see all our junk, right? We see all our shortcomings. We see all these difficult times and things that have been to us, the things that have been to us. And often that puts us in a spot where, you know what, we don't like that and we don't want that. But God has a power. If anybody here today is struggling with that power of loving yourself, if you're a child of God, understand your identity is in him. And if he loved you so much, he was willing to die for you. And if he holds you in such high esteem, then who are you to say what he holds in such high esteem has no value? Right? Now that's some power right there, guys. That's some power right there. There's some other verses I'd like to highlight too that, that, that really point these things out. I'd like to point out the verse right here where it tells us in John, let's go to 1 John chapter 4. Verses 4 through 7. And it says this, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is, in, is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Greater is he that is in me that is he than he that is in the world. And if you are a child of God, I want you to hear this. Greater is he, God, the creator, the omnipotent. Greater is he that is in you 
than that chump that is in the world. And with that comes power. Supernatural power, certainly, but also the power to love. What are we doing with that power? Let's look at this next set of verses here that we hear all the time, right? And it comes from Philippians. And, and I want us to see this verse uh, in, in context because I'll go to the end of the verse, keep it there. But the end of the verse is a very popular verse that we know. And you hear it all the time. And you see it on, on, on football players and baseball players' eyes. And it's a true verse. And it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who doesn't want that? And you see it You see it on people after they win the Super Bowl. And I can do all things through Christ. Amen, yes. And you see dads when their kids are up the bat. You see them behind the fence going, you can do all things. Amen, and you can. But let's talk about all the all things that this verse is talking about. It says this, the words of Paul. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content Whatever their circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here's the verse now, guys. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Ooh, it's a little different now, isn't it? Because what is Paul talking about? He's saying, look, you know what I can do through Christ? I can be hungry. You know what I can do through Christ? I can be in need. You know what I can do, do through Christ? I can be content when the world is falling apart. I can stand firm on the rock of my salvation, Jesus Christ. Those are the things that we can do through Christ. Because to do it in great times, big deal. To worship here when the soft seats and great music, that's fantastic. But what if it was all stripped away? That's power. And that's the type of power God wants to grant us. And indeed, that's the power that he's built in you. And I hope that we tap into that. So let's take a look now at John chapter 7, later on in this chapter. And it says this here as we enter there. It says, the Jews said to one another, where did this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will we go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? And let's see if we have 37 up there as well. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come and drink, come to me and drink. So the, the end of the chapter, okay, Jesus as he's teaching in the synagogues, and they're kind of mocking him, like, who's this chump out there preaching and talking? And then they hear him with that power, and they go, oh, my gosh, this guy's amazing. We've never heard this. And my prayers that your friends, when they see you, they would go, I've never experienced someone with this power. But then Jesus says to them, look, if any one of you guys is thirsty, any of you guys is thirsty, come to me and I'll drink. And this bottle will provide water to me. It's refreshing. But it was going to run out. In my minivan, by the way, can I just be honest with you guys? I'm tired of my minivans. I've had more minivans. I've had four minivans in my life. When I got married, I had a Mustang GT 5.0 convertible. 
Then I got a Volvo. Next thing you know, I have four minivans. Pray for me. I don't want any more minivans. So in my minivan, there's, I don't know, at all, any time, 20 of these empty bottles rolling around or half empty. Some with, when Marco drinks it, with some goldfish floating around in them. I'm just saying, man, I'm just saying. But the point is, this runs out. And even though this is critical for my life, this water runs out. And Christ was telling them, uh, are you guys thirsty? Come to me. Come to me. And I'm going to give you living waters. And I'm going to give you waters that never run out. Right? And the things that you need here, I am going to provide. And let's get to our last point right here. Right? The last point, what we can expect is provision. Everybody say provision. provision. Everybody say provision. Now, oh, this is great. She said, I know you have needs. I know you need stuff. But come to me. Now provided, you can go to Costco and get your water bottles and spend money on water bottles and put them in your minivan. Or you can come to me and drink of living waters. Water is so great that once you drink them, you want to thirst again. When your spirit is thirsty, of course he was talking about that. And longing for something to fill it up because the spirit is longing for that relationship with God. And you can go try to fill it with other things, with money, with relationships, with sin, with career. And you can try to fill that thirst, guys, but you know what? You won't fill it. It will leave you found wanting. But if you take that relationship with Christ, that living water, and take of it, well, guess what? All those gaps in your spirit and your needs, it will just saturate it and fill it up. And you will be fulfilled with your relationship with Christ. Can I hear amen? amen. And it's great because in, Exodus, in John chapter 6, as he gave the bread, I want you guys to understand this real quick as I, as I close things up. In John chapter 6, the chapter before this, he was always talking that he was the bread of life. And they remembered in Exodus, right? In Exodus, there was a couple chapters, right? When they were walking through the desert and they woke up and guess what? They were hungry and they were complaining. And they woke up and what did they see on the ground? They saw manna from heaven, bread from heaven. And then Jesus told them that he was the bread of life. So that was Jesus. You guys following me? And then the next chapter, they're thirsty, and they started complaining to Moses. Yo, Moses, man, we haven't drank anything for three days. Would you bring us out here to the desert just to die and start nah, 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 complaining? And then God instructed Moses, right, to the rock, to touch the rock with his staff, the rock. And then Jesus tells him later on that he is the rock of their salvation. So this is going on thousands of years before, but it's Jesus and then when he touched that rock with his rod, guess what came out of that rock in the middle of the desert? Living waters. And so the two million people that were walking through the desert all had this sweet water flow from this rock. And you know what? It was the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And the water that, was, that they were drinking. And Jesus said, I am the living water. Coming from the rock in the middle of the desert. And just says, I'm the rock of your salvation. And through, through following Christ, all their needs were met. God promises to provide here. 
provide for you all your needs. Man, that's a blessing. And God knows we need things. Right? If we look at these chapters right here. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, 31 to 33. I love this verse. Because God ain't saying that you don't need stuff. You guys with me? God ain't saying that you don't need shelter. God is not saying that you don't need food, that you don't need relationship. He's saying, I know that you need this. But you can spend your life pursuing those things. You can pursue, you, you can spend your life pursuing relationships. Okay, I've got my relationship. All right, now I need my job. And then pursue your life, pursuing your job. Right? And you're trying to hold on to your relationship while you're chasing your job. Oh, I need a place to stay. And so now your focus all goes on the housing market and the finances. And you're running around trying to keep all these things alive in your life. And God's not saying you don't need them. He's just saying this. There's an easier way. Seek me first and my kingdom and all these things that you need. Along the way, as you're following me, I'm going to add to you. Spring break's right around the corner, like I shared, and I was hoping I'd see my kids during spring break. But uh, I got four kids, two in college, two here, and, and, and the two in college are playing sports, and they love it. My daughter's at Westmont up in Santa Barbara, and um, super jealous of her. She's in Santa Barbara in the heels. Tough times, pray for her. And then my son, pray for him too, he's at Stanford. And so he's a sophomore at Stanford chasing his dream of playing football. And so I remember when he was eight, in the eighth grade, he said, Dad, Dad, I, I want to play, play football at Stanford. I'm like, um, mijo? That means my son. Uh, take a look in the mirror. You're skinny. And you play soccer. And you've never played football. And so that's what I want to do. I said, oh, okay, okay. And we start going over. We start going over the chances of him playing Division I football, which when we broke down to it, it was like less than 1%. Are you guys following me? So I said, Mijo, uh, that's kind of a lofty goal, less than 1%. And look, you just play soccer and you're skinny. And, and then he goes, and I go, well, let's think about Stanford. Have you seen your dad? I'm kind of San Diego State material. Actually, San Diego State's kind of good now. Back in my day, like today, you got to have smart, like 4.0 type stuff. Back in my day, here was the secret to get to San Diego State. You had to apply. <laughs> Once you did that, okay, let's go. And so we, at that point, it was Harvard and Stanford, Harvard and Stanford, Stanford and Harvard, like the most difficult school in the nation to get into. I'm like, son, you're choosing the most difficult school in the nation, and you're choosing to play football, and you're skinny little Latino. It's like, like you're not off to a good start, son. But God. I said, mijo, but God. You've got God. And sure enough, he wrote Stanford on his little note card and he put it on his mirror. And every day he would wake up and he'd see Stanford in the mirror and he would pray and he would dream. And we took him to the campus and he could walk around campus. He saw that people actually existed there, right? And we took him to a camp and through a series of just miracles through the Lord. 
he gets a call from the head coach a couple years ago saying, Diego, welcome aboard. Welcome to Stanford. I remember that moment. And you know what, man, still today I get, I get hair, my hair stand up, and my sister's, my daughter's chasing her dream playing soccer, and God is so good. But here's the deal. To be honest with you, I'm kind of a little upset with Diego because I went to San Diego State. <laughs> and then he sends me these little videos, coach, right, like when they get gear, and he walks into his locker, right, and there's like five shoes, Five pairs of sweatpants, sweatshirts, hoodies, jackets. And it's like, he's got all this fresh gear. At San Jose State, I wore shoes from a brand that doesn't even exist anymore. Pony. <laughs> yes, Pony. And then he travels. These little pictures of him getting on his private jet. Hi, Dad. Yeah, hi, Diego. Be quiet, whatever, chump. I guess I'm in my minivan. My private minivan, though. It's a private minivan, so. Here's the point. He always had it in his heart to go to Stanford. Are you guys following me? But he pursued the Lord. And, and, and now that he's there, guess what? All this gear, this food, this travel, it's all given to him. Why? Because he's on the Stanford football team. So he could spend his time trying to buy gear, trying to buy helmets, trying to buy sweatpants, trying to buy cleats, or he can make the team. And once he's on the team, guess what? All that stuff is added unto him. As believers, let's not spend our time, our life chasing things of this world. Let's not spend our time even chasing our needs. Let's spend our time chasing Jesus. And as we follow him and as we're followers of Christ, we can expect persecution, sure, but it's worth it. Because I tell you what, hard times come no matter what. Can I hear amen? No matter what, hard times are coming. You might as well be at hard times for something that has eternal value. You can expect power. And sure, power, miraculous power. I've experienced and I've seen and I want more of it. But you know what's better than that? The power to love. The power to love. Love God. Love each other and love yourself. And also you can expect provision. That if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else I need will be added unto me. So as we take this time to commemorate and remember God's sacrifice for us, let's, time, let's spend time reflecting on his goodness. But reflecting on the times maybe where we're going through difficult times and understand that it's worth it. Reflect on the power he gives us, but not the supernatural kind, really that power to let us live holy lives. And also understand and be thankful for his provision. And these elements represent that. If you don't have your, your cup and your bread, just slip up your hand. We have some ushers that will be happy to give them to you. So just slip your hand up. We'll get them to you. And as the worship team gets ready to... to, to come back on and we get a special song right now. Just take some time to reflect on God's goodness in your life and some of the things that maybe he shared with you today. Lord, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that your word is clear, Lord. I thank you for, for John chapter 7, Lord, how it just clearly shows Jesus things we can expect while following you, Lord. Just pray that no matter what the case may be, Above all things, we would pursue you, Lord. Whatever the cost, Lord, we would pursue you, Lord. Whatever the results, Lord, we would pursue you, God. 
and then prepare us for the persecution, the power, and your amazing provision. Praise Jesus in your name.